and welcome to Punch Drunk Nerd, the podcast where three friends, three amigos, three very fine gentlemen come together in the middle of the week to finally talk about some nerdy shit. My name is Luis Gonzalez, and with me is... Miguel Sanchez. And Ed Bull. That's right. And every week we are serving you a three-course meal of delicious nerdy goodness, okay? Now first, we're going to talk about the biggest news that caught our eye this week. Then we're going to chat about what we've been into, and then we're going to wrap it all up with the main event, a discussion about turning red. Now look, as much as we all like to watch, read, and play every single thing we get our hands on, we just can't. It's not possible. Okay, we're regular people. We're just trying to survive, pay our bills. So if we get something wrong, feel free to hit us up at Punch Drunk Nerd and let us know uh, in the comments on YouTube, and we'll, we'll call it out in our next podcast. Okay, we're all, we're all trying to learn from, from our mistakes here. Okay, now let's get into the news, baby. Now, this is award season's coming up, boys. Okay, award season is coming up big. It's coming up strong, and one it's of the here, first, baby. it's here. It is here, and it is prepping for the Oscars. Um, three big awards came out. We wanted to talk about the Critics' Choice, the BAFTAs, and the Annie Awards, which covers animation. Now, I'm just going to talk about uh, some of the big winners for the Critics' Choice Awards, the 27th annual one. Uh, the big winners here, Power of the Dog, okay? I don't know if you've seen it. It's on Netflix. Best Picture, Best Director, Screenplay, Cinematography. Wow. Uh, Dune, HBO, Production Design, Score, VFX. Uh, and Animated, Mitchell vs. the Machines uh, got Best Animated. And I'm an editor, so I have to call out Best Editing, West Side Story, okay? Uh, now, Critics' okay. Choice also covers movies, uh, also covers TV. So the big two winners of that one is Succession. Miguel, I know you're hyped about that one. You already know. Best Drama, Best Supporting Actor, Supporting Actress, and Ted Lasso, goddamn, came in with four wins with Comedy, Actor, Supporting Actor, Supporting Actress. Those are the awards for the Critics' Choice Awards. Ed, do you want to take over for the BAFTAs? Gladly, gladly. So uh, Power of the Dog, again, took Best Picture, uh, as well as Best Director for Jane Campion. Uh, Dune was the highest winner with five wins for score, cinematography, production design, sound, and visual effects. And Encanto won Best Animated this time. Um, And uh, as far as everything else, kind of uh, Will Smith winning Best Actor, Troy Kurtzer winning Best Supporting Actor. Uh, West Side Story came in with Best Supporting Actress and Best Casting. Um, So that pretty much wraps up the big ones for the BAFTAs. Yeah, and I don't know if you cut off on my end, but just in case, to repeat it, uh, Power of the Dog won Best Film, Best Director. Best Film. Um, And Belfast, uh, Kenneth Branagh's Belfast won Best British Film, for anybody who cares. And they have the Best British Film? (laughs) At the BAFTAs? That's, a, that's its own category. Best like British having, film and best picture. It'd be like having the best American film and then the best film in the Oscars, wouldn't it? Isn't that strange? Well, that's the, essentially what the Oscars is, isn't it? Well, yeah, I mean, I know. But we, <laughs> but we don't call it <laughs> like speaking. the best American film and then the best winner, right? Well, uh, it's just reminding the good people that there are British. There is a British film industry, and ah, it, I see. it can be good, you know. Um, and Belfast is a great movie, so no complaints there. I'm excited to see Belfast. I haven't seen it yet, but I will. Um, 
A one that's overlooked, I think, but it's very important, especially because we're talking about turning red. Pixar's turning red is Annie Awards. These are the animation awards. This is the 49th oh, yeah. mm-hmm. ceremony. Um, and actually the first one, um, uh, it was actually originally given to like to celebrate lifetime career contributors and lifetime awards. But then uh, in 1992, it started pivoting to actually awarding individual work. And the first award in 1992 it gave for best film was Beauty and the Beast. So a little known fact. Um uh- but that's a good one to start off with. Yeah, that's a great one to start off with. But for this year, uh, the winner of Best Feature Animation, the one that took a lot of the awards, was Mitchell versus the Machines, uh, Sony Pictures Animation for Netflix. If you haven't seen it, it's about a story of a father and daughter trying to connect as the daughter is trying to move on to college. It's a very uh, sweet, loud, uh, Scott Pilgrimy type of movie. Uh, I love it, personally. Uh, and then for TV was Arcane, took a lot of the awards, right? Games and uh, Fortitiche, I think that's how you pronounce it, for Netflix. Um, it's based off the video game League of Legends, and they've taken some of the lore, and they made it into a whole story. I've never played League of Legends, but after watching Arcane, I really want to play. Um, it was really cool to jump into something without know- not knowing anything about the IP at all. Um, and just being taken away by the, the story. It was really great. It's about two um, sisters and their relationship um, as they kind of work their relationship back together again. Um, but yeah, I mean, after all of these winners, what do you guys think? I mean, as are, are these forefront winners for the Oscars coming up? Do we think that Power I, of the Dog is going to take it all? Oh, man. I, you know, it does seem like Power of the Dog is heading that way. That's the hot one. Uh it is the hot one, and you know what? The movie is pretty good. Um, but yeah, for sure, Jane Campion is a lock for Best Director at this stage. I think so. Um, yeah. As far as Best Picture goes, there could be some surprises, though I think Power of the Dog is definitely the favorite to win. Uh, but you were just saying, Luis, uh, about your uh, going into Arcane not knowing really what it was. That was my right. feelings with the Mitchells versus the Machines at the very beginning of 2021. You know, it's not a big release. It was Netflix. And that movie blew me away when I watched it. And it's definitely one of my favorite movies of 2021. Um, it's such a good movie. And I'm glad that it kind of swept the Annie's. Uh, I'm a little, you know, concerned that it won the best BAFTA uh, for animated film. Uh, or sorry, it lost out to Encanto, right. which I think is its strongest opponent right now. Uh, and Encanto is a great movie too, but Mitchell's versus the Machines is like such I don't know, but it's like Spider Verse, uh, Spider Man into the Spider Verse level. It's such a great film and uh, so funny, really well written. The animation is incredible. Uh, and like I've seen it maybe three times now, and it holds up each time. Uh, so I would love for that to be going to the Oscars as a front runner for best animation. I really hope that one wins. I think its only drawback is that it came out so long ago, and Encanto is still so, yeah. is still so hot right now. You know, my kid, we watch Encanto at least three times a week. You know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> I've yeah. not to mention all the songs that came off of They're Encanto very catchy. too. Yes. yes. Yeah. I mean, so, we don't talk about Bruno, guys. Uh, no. We just don't do it. I'm so over Mm-mm. these fucking songs. <laughs> <laughs> uh, can we talk about? Yeah, can mean, we talk yeah. about uh, Jane uh, Camp? Champion, champion. What's her yeah. last name? Can we talk about her just for Camp- a second? Champion. Uh, did you guys hear yeah, the, the news about her recently? 
No. I did. I heard that she said something a little. I'll get a to little it. silly. I'll get to it. I'll get to it. Yeah. So just for context, uh, like a week or two ago. Uh, oh my God! Why am I blanking on his name? Sam Elliott, the uh, the actor Sam Elliott. He does a lot of westerns. He's got the mustache. Yeah. Uh, he was on well, the Mark. Con talks like this that's, a lot. That's right. He was on a that's Mark right. Maron's podcast, and he kind of talked a lot of shit about uh, Power of the Dog um, and how it was a western, but it's not really a western because they filmed it in like New Zealand or whatever, and a lot of right. like you know uh, it was like a a lot of gay overtones or whatever was his stance. He was just really upset about that. Not that I'm saying he was right. Right. And uh, so anyway, cut to huh. the BAFTAs, I think it was, uh, where she won Best Director. And she was kind of like trying to give a little slide towards him. Uh, but for some reason referenced uh, Serena and Venus Williams, who were in the audience, and was just like, you know, you guys, I, I'm paraphrasing here, but the overall thought, the overall way it read was, you guys think you have it hard, but like, I have it harder kind of deal. Like, because all these men treat me so poorly. And it was just like yeah. a really tone deaf comment. And you could tell like, it did not yeah. go over well. And it was kind of like she she won the internet's favor one week and then immediately kind of stuck her foot in her mouth. You know what I mean? Why did she have to take down them? The system. I don't the, think she was, I don't think she was trying. I think she was, a, a. I think her intent was to just like comment on how big they were and how great they were. Uh-huh. Uh, and yeah. then tried to pivot into her plight or whatever. But for okay. some reason it just, it read very poorly and the internet did not take, take it, uh, take it. She well. didn't, she didn't phrase it. Well, she made it seem like, uh, I, I feel like maybe her, she was trying to go with like uh, as a female director yeah, 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 yeah. In, a, in a men's industry. But the way it came across is just like, oh, these two black women have no idea what the struggle is. And I do. Comparatively, yeah. as if, Vena, as uh, if Venus yeah. and Serena hadn't dealt with that during their tennis careers right which yeah, they have exactly. obviously absolutely have so it was yeah like miguel said it was very like it was tone deaf tone deaf absolutely and has she has she um, said anything i mean it's when it's wednesday we're recording this March that's 15th. true i did has not responded to anything okay i did not follow up to see if she had a second a second thought about it but yeah she trended pretty high the following day because of it so well you know I still think she's probably going to win that Oscar, <laughs> regardless. Uh, yeah. You know, and it's basically, uh, the Oscars are right around the corner, so it's pre she's pretty much already locked in at this point. Yeah, those votes are in, so, I mean, she could say whatever she wants at this point. <laughs> Not really, but you know what I mean? It's just like, uh, unless, yeah, something even crazier came out, uh, I don't know. She wasn't even at the BAFTAs to accept her award there. So then maybe I'm thinking of the Critics' Choice Awards because I remember she she was on stage and said this. So wherever, yeah, wherever. no, no, yeah, I'm, I'm pretty sure it was yeah, the Critics' she won, Choice. But... She won Best Director for that one. Yeah, yeah. Uh, since oh, we're talking the... about uh, Venus and Serena, just real quick, uh, we don't have to talk too long about it. But I think this is, and I've been saying this privately, I think this is Will Smith's year. I think he's going to win that Oscar. Oh, for sure, it's a lot. It's a lot. I really point. want him to. I know Benedict Cumberbatch was you know, also in talks or whatever about maybe getting it. Yeah. Which I could still see it going that way. The Oscars do like to kind of, Oh, the whole run up, the whole run yeah. up has been one person and then they pivot at the last minute. Um, but I'm a, to, I'm a Will Smith fan and I totally think he deserves it. And, uh, it's, it's definitely a good role. No, I, 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 I feel, 
That that oh you should absolutely. Yeah. It's on HBO Max. Uh, but no. Did it come back? No, it, it think... might not have yet. It's it might still be in that yeah. window, but um but no, I no I agree. It's definitely a worthy performance. Uh I definitely think it's more worthy than Benedict Cumberbatch. And mm-hmm. you know, the guy just can't do a good English or sorry, American accent. Uh like no points for the accent in Power of the Dog for sure. But uh I mean let's no, hear I, your American hope... accent just real quick, Ed. Go ahead. Oh, I would love to hear that. <laughs> hey, I'm not I'm not nominated for an Academy Award for playing okay. a rancher in Wyoming. Fair enough. Uh or wherever. But um no, I, I do I think Will Smith has it locked down and I hope he does take it that night. I would be Wait, no, I still want to hear you speak with an English accent. Let's go. Say something like I'm taking my kid to the park. Yeah, go ahead. Do what? I'm, I'm taking, taking my, my kids kid to... to the park. You Wait, know. do that one more time. I'm taking my kids to... It always sounds country. Like Do it. It's because it's I'm bitter. Um, <laughs> I'm taking my kids to the park. I'm here recording the park podcast. It's so... Uh, park- you hit, par- you hit park pretty well. That's the one. I'll give yeah. you points for the podcast. word park. <laughs> podcast. <laughs> podcast. Beautiful, Ed. Beautiful. We're gonna we're gonna nominate you for a Webby, okay? Uh, so we're 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 it is your thing. And have you? And speaking oh, of TV, man. real quick before we jump on over away, uh, I haven't seen Succession. I have seen Ted Lasso. I love Ted Lasso, um, and I'm so happy that it's getting the attention it deserves. It's really crazy because it follows a story about a man who's divorced from his wife and he moves to uh, go coach a soccer team, even though he only has experience coaching for football. In reality, it was actually happening to him in real life, you know, so he was having a divorce and he was cutting it through COVID and uh, it's just, you know, it's just a very sweet, uh, you know, heartwarming. Very uplifting. It's yeah. very uplifting. Uh, no, me and Sarah just finally got around to watching it and we love it. It's great. Uh, and then, yeah, Miguel, are you excited that Succession is winning it? Uh, yeah, deserved? Succession is the show. Uh, like I said previously, I, I got COVID earlier this year and I just kind of sat in my room and binged Succession for the first time. Uh, there's th- three seasons. Three? Or is it two? It's three. It is three, yeah. right? Yeah. It, it, it yeah. all blurred together uh, for obvious reasons. Uh, but no, it's a great show. Um, and I was just looking at that. It's uh, Kieran Culkin and Sarah Snook. They won Best Supporting, supporting Actor and Supporting Actress yeah. in Drama Series. Uh, they're definitely very good. I think Kieran Culkin is a little quirky for my taste, but I understand why people like him, you know? <laughs> this was definitely the season for him to get an award if he was going to. They fleshed him he out is a such bit. a He's such a prick, uh, but he does it so well. And uh, Sarah Snook, this was a good highlight for her. Everybody was really good this season. Um, I feel like, yeah, I mean... The first two seasons, I think uh, Brian Cox had been winning the awards. So it's nice to see some of the rest of the cast start getting some recognition. Really is a great ensemble. I can't wait for season four. So good. So good. Louis, well, you don't season four watch comes it? In, I'll, start, I'll binge the other three seasons. You better do that? it. You better do it, you son of a bitch. I'll do that. Now, ladies and gentlemen, we're going to move on, talk about this next bit of news. Last week, if you were paying attention to our debut podcast, my goodness, uh, we went over reacting to the Obi-Wan Kenobi trailer, and we were talking about how uh, potentially, oh, we might see Darth Maul uh, appear in it. Um, Ed, are you still with us, Ed? Forgive us, folks. 
I believe we lost Edward Ball. <laughs> okay, this is good. We'll edit this out. If you guys are watching on YouTube.com slash Punch Drunk Nerd. Actually, not yet. We need 100 subscribers before we can claim that username. Are you serious? That, that URL. I'm very serious, yeah. You guys, let's bump That's why up last these numbers. Week I was... <laughs> That's why last week I was like, uh, follow us on YouTube at da 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 da, and I couldn't because we need 100 subscribers before I can use that URL. Well, you know what? Shout out to the 21 people that watched it in 28 hours of it being out. You know what I mean? Every single one of them. We love you. Yeah. I mean, yeah. Yeah. You guys are the, you guys were there. You guys were at the bottom floor. Yeah. And, you know, if I wish we could show our love to you somehow, but, you know, when you join our Patreon, we'll we're still figuring out Patreon. <laughs> we're figuring out Patreon, exactly. Man, okay, so, uh, yeah, yeah. we're we're having a, it was a good momentum until we get him back. I feel like we were there. You know what I mean? I know we were really rolling. I think for I our second to... week, for second week back, yeah. I think we're doing pretty good. Yeah, you know what? Let's take a moment to self-criticize ourselves and see how we're doing. Yeah. I think we're doing pretty good. We started off strong, no interruptions. Yeah, except for now. Yeah. Except for now. I think I could have seen more of these movies. I promise you that. I've been very busy, so I haven't been able to watch a lot of these movies. It's tough. It's tough. It is tough. But by the time we get to the Oscars, I'm really hoping that we do. And Edward Ball has returned, folks. Guys, I'm so sorry. He's back. His suspe- the suspense is killing us, but it's okay. We all became closer as audience. We kept listeners. it moving. We kept it moving. We good, kept it good. moving. That was the right thing to now, do. Now, Ed, uh, just to inform you, um, we, you know, we talked about Obi-Wan Kenobi last week. Uh, um, yes, and we were we were saying, oh, Darth Maul could be in there. We heard "Duel of the Fates," oh, the song God. that Darth Maul uh, fought uh, Obi Wan and Qui Gon Jinn, he did. the famous uh, Phantom of the Menace. Unfortunately, we've heard news uh, that he has been replaced, and that he was originally uh, supposed to be uh, written as the villain, but was written out, and Darth Vader and his Inquisitors have been written in. Um, I think it was an original screenplay. Where he had um, in there, and then after some rewrites, after some looking, uh, they decided to move him away and to go bigger. Um, I got you know, Dave Filoni was involved, and Favreau and Kathleen Kennedy. Yeah, go I, ahead. I, so I, like I've said previously, I'm not the Star Wars guy, so I know other people have better opinions about it than I do. So but, shut up. So I mean, I I won't because I'm a Leo, <laughs> and we don't do that. <laughs> That's right. Good. Uh, no. So. Uh, to me personally, Darth Maul is one of the most like interesting villains. No shade to Darth Vader. I get he's the big bad guy. You know what I mean? I understand yeah. his reverence in the Star Wars lore. I've seen Darth Vader a million times. You know what I mean? Uh, now, I did not yeah. watch the cartoon show. Uh, I know a lot of people really enjoyed that. And I'm going to call it a cartoon show just to be a dick. You know what I mean? Hey, uh, it's a cartoon show, but it's a good cartoon <laughs> show. No, I totally okay. understand. I totally understand. Uh, and I just think that I know that Darth Maul showed up in the Han Solo movie for a very brief bit, but I think it would be yes. just totally amazing to see him fully fleshed out again, uh, especially with these characters years later and, and where he fit in. So I was really bummed to find out that he was almost in it and then scrapped completely. I got a question. Yes. Do we think that this could maybe be misdirection? Oh. Because... I don't- Yeah, go ahead. Sorry. So my feelings are, I mean, yes, I uh, everything you said, Miguel, I agree with. So I would be severely disappointed if they didn't attempt to incorporate Darth Maul in some way. And I just don't believe that they aren't doing that. Uh, A big part of it, like he may not be as central to the story. Uh, for where, and I'm going off of the Clone Wars here. 
but depending on where he is and i mean as far as i'm aware he was uh in prison whenever we left him in the clone wars um so it would be interesting to see him come in i don't think that anybody in that creative uh staff from john favreau to kathleen kennedy whoever the fuck is headlining uh I don't Definitely. think they're going to miss that opportunity, even if it does come down to just a shysty cameo or whatever to only open up to another season, even though With they said this it. was going to. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. I think they I think they'd be missing a huge opportunity. I think they also set him up in solo, like you said, Miguel, and that was only briefly, but it would. It would make sense for them. And granted, if they want to stick to that Darth Vader Inquisitor storyline, that makes sense. Especially... That can still happen, you know? Oh, yeah, no, for sure. I, I just think it's equally uh, plausible that they would still have Darth Maul or have him implicated in some way during the storyline. I don't think we're not going to not hear about Darth Maul during this. And I think you bring up a really cool point and I won't divert too much. Um, but uh, in this age when uh, actors or people who are involved in projects are denying, denying, denying kind of even more than I feel like early superhero movies, like for example, Andrew Garfield having to say, I'm not in Spider-Man 75 times, you know what yeah. I mean? Before he you know showed up in the movie actually. Yep. Uh, I think it's an interesting way to tackle diversions like that, Ed, to say, to actually acknowledge, Oh yeah, we were going to have this character in here, uh, but then we cut him out. And so now he's not in it. And so now I'm thinking, oh, okay, it's thrown away altogether. And then I'll be even more surprised when he's actually there. It's, yeah. uh, it's a good tactic. Just looking at how they've handled, um, you know, The Mandalorian and The Book of Boba Fett and the amount of references and or cameos or whatever that they bring into those individual shows, I, I find it very hard to believe that after all of this hype, they're going to let Darth Maul go and just not show him at all fingers crossed fingers crossed yeah i i i, I think yeah absolutely and, uh, yeah i think they i you know i originally i was a little bit upset but i think making the move to darth vader and the inquisitors I, i'm actually enjoying i enjoy that move of course we see darth vader all the time yeah he's like the joker of you know star of like you know star wars where like everybody wants to see vader where where's our vader you know they want their vader fix yeah. but um I think especially with Obi-Wan and Anakin, like it's a very personal story. And yeah. and and, uh, and Vader was able to confront Ahsoka too in Rebels. And that was such a key important moment because Ahsoka was like almost a daughter to Anakin. I, I, that's the kind or of relationship younger, that I had. Yeah, yeah. I, you're like a younger, you know, like she, he kind of was acting in that fatherly way to Ahsoka. And so they had a very strong relationship. And I think that Obi-Wan deserves to have some type of closure or some type of thing to to like meet Anakin again or meet Darth Vader and have some sort of um, face off, you know, to have those two buttheads, even if it ends up, you know, in a very like Shakespeare drama, like where it ends up in a sad note. But at least they got to see each other for who they were. Um, and I think having the Inquisitors is, a, is our, our good bad guys because they are their mission is to literally go find Jedi and kill them. And so. This is literally what Obi-Wan has to do is hide Luke Skywalker from finding, from the Inquisitors finding him. And himself. You know I mean? 
And himself. And himself. Yeah. Exactly. You know, and they're very good at just feeling out the force and saying, I feel something there. And they'll go hunt it down. So it's like Obi-Wan is going to have to, you know, close down or like really like, uh, I don't know, not use the force as much so he, he won't flag them that he's there. You know, so he's going to have to get really uh, uh, gritty with it. He's going to be able to use the force a lot to like, you know, raise a red flag for them. Sure. Um, I, I think it. I think it, it'll be interesting. I, I, you know, I think Darth Maul could show up at some point, maybe like a little cameo, like he's in the background. Uh, but they, they're so rich of like other characters could show up. You know, they're like Ahsoka could show up, or even, um, you know, Cal Kestis from Jedi Fallen Order. He yeah. could potentially show up too. I think you know. Oh, for sure, um, for sure. I wouldn't be know. surprised if the Emperor showed up at some point. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, like seriously though, um, I mean, in well, because the, yeah. Dormund is still alive. I mean, why not? Um, I yeah, I don't think anything is off limits as far as the Star Wars extended universe goes. Uh, and I, I'll I'll just say it here right now. I think Darth Maul is going to show up in this series. He calls it, folks, right I'm here, right it. now, Wednesday, yeah. March 16th, Ed has called it. I struggle to believe that they would just cut that completely. And just like, oh, it, well, it doesn't work when they know exactly that's what people want to see. No, it's going to happen. We'll see. Well, I, ho- I hope to see a little cameo. Maybe I hope to see a little bit more of his story. You know, I, I, I like seeing me a little ball. For sure. Um, speaking of red characters, we have Deadpool, <laughs> who's coming out with uh, his third movie with Disney. <laughs> Good segue. <laughs> Yeah. Uh, now, as we all know, Disney has bought Fox and uh, has acquired the X-Men, uh, Deadpool, and Fantastic Four. Uh, and with that, they're going to bring Deadpool into the MCU world. It's rated R. What are they going to do? Don't worry. They're going to keep it rated R. But who's going to be the director? Well, they've uh, looked for this guy named Sean Levy to direct it. Now, They've worked together in Free Guy and on the Adam Project on Netflix. But it's really interesting when you go back and look at his past credits. Uh, he did uh, Unbreakable Kimmy Schmidt, Night at the Museum Trilogy. That was his big baby. Uh, Date Night, Big Fat Liar. Loved that. That was the first time I saw Paul Giamatti in a movie. Can you believe it? <laughs> oh, uh, I do. I do. But- yeah, uh, and then a lot of like uh, of these older like Nickelodeon movies of uh, TV shows, famous Jet Jackson, Animorphs, The Secret Life of Alex Max. I think he has. Um, a lot of these, like, it seems like he's going to strike that balance that Disney wants of, like, we're going to be uh, brash and loud, but also keep it friendly. We don't want this rated R to get too out there, is what it seems like this hire is doing with, with Sean Levy. What I mean, it blows that? my mind that his resume goes back that far. I mean, when I when I was reading this earlier and I was like, Big Fat Liar, yeah, that was definitely like a movie of my childhood. And then, like, all these TV shows that I absolutely watch, all the way to Secret Life of Alex Mack. Like, that was, like, early 90s. You know what I mean? Yeah. And I was like, okay, this dude's gone back. He's been in the business. Why is he blowing up all of a sudden? I guess it's just, like, this team up with Ryan Reynolds was super beneficial for him. You know what I mean? I just did that. Projects with him. Sorry, he did the Adam Project with Ryan Reynolds. Is that right? Yeah. Okay. And and, uh, the Fall Guy. Free guy. What is it? Free Fuck. guy. Free guy. Free guy. Free guy. Okay. Jeez. I always get that mixed up. Um, uh, which I watched a little bit of. I haven't finished it yet, um, but it's it's definitely a fun vibe, and you can see why Sean Levy would be someone that could handle the Deadpool character and potentially take it to the next level, especially as you know they're merging into Disney now. He could be like someone that has the right vibe. 
Uh, I am pretty curious how they're going to handle, you know, Louis, you were talking about the R rating. Uh, that's going to be kind yeah. of, I don't, maybe not a first. I mean, a first for a Disney property, maybe. I don't know. But for Marvel, for sure. Um, yeah. I did notice today I was logging into Disney Plus to watch the Red, the, uh, the Panda movie. Um, <laughs> that's, what, red. that's what my kid keeps calling it. So I keep calling it the Red Panda movie. Awesome. Um, <laughs> Uh, and as I logged in, they just recently put all of those um, Netflix Marvel shows onto Disney. So Daredevil, mm, yeah, I'm assuming Jessica yeah. Jones, all them as well. But I saw Daredevil specifically. And before I could log in, they made me kind of like readjust my settings uh, to, to oh. allow a TVMA uh like TVMA content and I had to I had to opt into that so it's like they are definitely uh signaling to audiences you know we're going to take it to another level and and there's going to be some sort of you know parental control as far as like parents and streaming and in the home uh, yeah. but to be yeah. ready for some more mature content. So I'm kind of um, I'm kind of looking forward to Deadpool to see really how they strike that that balance. Well, Hulu uh, has been their uh, surrogate, as it were, for all its uh, Fox exactly. uh, R-rated content. Uh, in like everywhere else in the world, they have uh, Disney Star, I think it's called, yep. where they have all of that adult content. So, yeah. Yeah, because Hulu, uh, for, like some, pro- some countries, they can't stream Hulu. So what Disney does to solve that is uh, if you go to Disney Plus, you have different hubs sure. of like um, Nat Geo, Star Wars, Marvel, Pixar, and in other world, in other parts of the world, uh, you have a hub that says Stars, and Stars is where they kind of host all their Hulu content um, that you know you, that you may not find in other countries. It seems we've lost Ed again. Please be patient, uh, but we're going to continue on with the show here. Uh, I think that this is going to yeah i think sean levy seems like the perfect guy to kind of strike the perfect balance he's friends with um ryan reynolds it seems like ryan reynolds is already kind of like owning deadpool a lot and i think that's the reason why the original director tim miller left um Mm -hmm. is because ryan reynolds really took control and he's like well you know he's taking more control i guess i don't have to be there for deadpool too Uh, so um we can trust ryan reynolds is going to keep the tone of deadpool that rated our feeling and sean levy can kind of help ground him keep it you know uh you know what disney wants of course i don't know these people but this is what it seems like from it's the, the vibe for sure no i, it's I understand the vibe. what you're saying like it, it definitely a harmonious relationship probably yeah that's so interesting i didn't know that they uh added the tvma rating to opt in but it makes sense because um i mean you know the punisher is not a family, family friendly, friendly show yeah at all i mean there is like a lot of there's like that prison scene where he comes in and he just creates a bloody mess and then there's the jessica jones luke cage and i like scene, i like that i had the option to opt into it so that if i was like a, a you know stuck up karen and i didn't want to see any of it the fact that i could put that away and still enjoy the service i can see why it's yeah. profitable for disney so yeah i'm looking forward to it. uh exactly now um every week we're gonna we've we have a little new segment here called release updates uh it's not a catchy name but it is a, a name so we're gonna talk about uh some of the things that are coming out uh that just got announced or some new trailers or some new new release dates uh that got announced uh the batman of course it's in theaters but it's also coming to hbo max uh, on March 19th, and it's premiering on HBO on March 23rd. April. Miss Marvel. Oh, April. Thank you so much. April 19th, H- HBO Max. 
April 23rd, HBO premieres. On demand, HBO Max, April 19th. Check it out. Uh, and then MCU, uh, they just dropped a Miss Marvel trailer, which is changing the game on her powers and how it works. Um, the new trailer is dropped. You can expect it on Disney Plus with six episodes on June 8th. Uh, Umbrella Academy Season 3 returns June 22nd on Netflix. New Boys trailer. Uh, that premieres on June 3rd on Prime Video. Barry, which we just heard today, uh, Season 3 airs April 24th. And if you're a fan of kitty cats in shoes, well, tune in to Puss in Boots for The Last Wish. That's coming in September 23rd in theaters. Um, there was also, uh, we got some photos of Mr. Joaquin Phoenix. Um, Ed, you posted about this story um, on Napoleon. Yeah, I mean, this is just kind of me like nerding out to the fact that Joaquin Phoenix is going to play Napoleon Bonaparte in a Ridley Scott directed epic, which uh, just that's that's what I'm here for. You know what I mean? Like perfect casting, like the right director for the setting, and I just give it to me all day. You know what I mean? Like I'm so excited. Napoleon, Absolutely. the Napoleonic era is my favorite period in history um <laughs> oh wow that's amazing I and love that. it's no this is like a dream come true i, uh, I like pirates like, I, oh, course, I, phoenix. <laughs> I too I, pirates existed for a long time uh, no they didn't they no, didn't exist this for is gonna a, be a existed for a long time actually with the two movies that uh ridley scott just came out with like I, i'm very excited and joaquin phoenix uh I, I, I feel like he's definitely a person who just doesn't pick projects at random. So yeah. the fact that he's doing this, I feel like hopefully there's a good script behind it and yeah. something that's going to live up to the character, the persona that is Napoleon Bonaparte. So uh, I'm very excited. I can't wait. <laughs> that's a good point. I hope it has a good script behind it. You know what? I'm going to take a second. IMDb, Napoleon. Uh, here we go. Who's Who's doing the movie? 2002 2022 it's based on a book for sure uh the original title was kit bag uh of course the studio changed that uh <laughs> yeah no one's like just call it yeah. napoleon yeah well i'm hoping that it's a uh good oh here it is napoleon who's writing it who's writing it david scarpa <laughs> this is what i like to do sometimes i like to see who, what they've written in the past uh, davy get an idea Ah, good old Davey. He wrote The Man in the High Castle. Yeah. All the Money in the World, I've The Day the Earth good. Stood Still, and The Last Castle. I like The Last Castle. Oh, The Last Castle. Uh, okay. I've seen that movie. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Well, we're I'm excited to see uh, this Napoleon. People I I yeah, I cannot wait. Uh it's gonna be I, I hope. I strongly hope it's gonna be great. Uh but as of right now, Ed, I'm very excited. Ed, before we move on, just real quick, like, what's your favorite like historical fact from the Napoleonic era? <laughs> uh, well, let me tell you, Luis, you probably haven't heard this one. Uh, so, in 1815, Napoleon fought the Battle of Waterloo against the Duke of Wellington. Uh, it was his final battle. And, uh, Luis, would you care to take a guess at how many horses died that day? Let me put you. Let, let me put it into context here. Uh, roughly around there were roughly around seventy-two thousand uh, men on either side. Uh, probably a lot okay. more than that, actually. But like to give you, a, and, and that was all 
on a battle that was fought in one day. Uh, so seventy-two thousand men. Roughly how many horse? Fifty thousand. Yeah, how many? How many? Fifty, like five zero. Fifty thousand horses. Horses. Yes, I overshot no. it, didn't I? No, <laughs> a little bit. <laughs> Don't be uh, silly, was... <laughs> Louise. <laughs> Yeah, it was 15,000 15, horses. horses. <laughs> it's a lot of horses. But imagine that uh, many just like horses. a little known fact. It's a lot of dead horse bodies. I'm that's that's yeah, oh, trigger warning for horse people. Oh. I have known I have known Ed for 15 years now, and that was one of the first things he told me. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. I know that fact to heart because of this asshole. That's actually how I introduce myself. <laughs> it's like, hey, I'm Ed Bull. Did you know that 15,000 horses died at Waterloo? <laughs> uh, you should get cards made up. No. Uh, I mean, they uh, they probably will touch on Waterloo, if I had to guess. It will be brief, but uh, a Battle of Waterloo movie needs to be remade. Because so much happened on that day, it would be just fucking fantastic well we're looking forward to the uh the mound of dead horse bodies uh when it comes to napoleon bonaparte super Um, hyper realism now you know yeah i want i want christopher nolan to do it so he uses real effects i.e dead real horses horses. all dead (laughs) definitely not just like we're about to yeah just like we're about to experience uh a nuclear blast from his next movie uh, Oppenheimer, if you did Waterloo, horses, watch out. You heard it here first. Horses, watch <laughs> out. Um, you know, it's funny. We this this whole text. We we started this podcast because we were texting a lot about nerd stuff. And um, at one point in the conversation, Miguel brought up a term that I never heard of. It's called uh, giving flowers. <laughs> Have you heard of this term? Yes. <laughs> uh, what is this term? So, yeah, I am just, like, one of those people that's always on the fucking internet because my phone is in my hand about 99% of the day. Uh, I'm a piece uh-huh. of shit human being. Um, so, yeah, one of the things that I the kids, quote, I'm so old, the kids are talking about now is giving flowers to someone while they're still alive. Uh, and that basically just means, like, um, the world appreciating an artist of some kind uh, while they're still here to feel it. Um, the, one of the first times I heard that was in reference to DMX, like right before DMX died, uh, the internet kind of blew up with like a lot of love for him. And then he passed shortly after. And so that was how I first in context heard that term. Uh, he got his flowers. Well, I love that term so much. We figured we'd start giving flowers to people weekly if we have, if they, we do so choose. Um, and you know, starting off on a podcast is not easy. Okay. We really depend on you, the listeners, to you know like subscribe and all that jazz uh but for this week i think i want to give out a flower to a a gentleman called benji all right he left a note with us uh saying that he said the dceu has potential but seems to be in a perpetual tailspin most of the time i think that's a valid point uh and i'm glad that uh you you had the commentary and you had uh the you know i don't know Shout out, Benji Kutsi. Initiative to respond out, yeah. <laughs> I, uh, I yeah, really exactly. appreciate that yeah. I, Thank you, Benji I gave DMX as an example of someone who received flowers while they were still here. 
And then we're going to go with local Houston celebrity, Benji Cooksey. <laughs> no, wah, wah, wah. no, I do want to give him a shout out, though, because not only uh, did he listen to our podcast, uh, our first episode, and not, not only that, he agreed with something we said. Thank you, Benji Cooksey. Uh, but he just recently put out a song. Uh, you guys go to Instagram at Benji ah. Cooksey or at Benji Cooksey Music. You're going to hear out of Austin. It's one of the, the hottest songs of the summer. Uh, we'll play it at the end of the episode just for you, Benji. Shout out. Oh, I love that. We're definitely going to do that. Um, great. So now definitely we're going to. Definitely a very talented family, that one. Oh, perfect. Maybe you can make a theme song for us or something. Um, now, <laughs> we're going we'll on to our up. next segment here. Let's go. It's called uh, What We're Into. What? All right, ladies and gentlemen, what we're into. Every week, we're going to talk about different things we're into. Uh, Miguel, what have you been into this past week? So, the biggest thing uh, that we've been watching, and we're not done quite yet, but um, the last couple weeks or so, Hulu put uh, Impeachment, the uh, American Crime Story. Uh, all the episodes are on Hulu.com. Uh, slash, <laughs> I don't know why I said Hulu.com. <laughs> Um, <laughs> but uh, no uh, in general we're loving the show we're almost done we're about eight episodes in they really capture uh, that time in life uh, two thumbs up I've got a couple notes about it uh, first off do you guys know who's playing I know you guys can read the note because we all we all have it open did you guys know that yeah. Clive Owen was playing Bill Clinton in this I no I, I yeah did I, did. I did that's why I was excited for it i we watched the entire and i might stop me if i said this before we watched the entire uh first episode of this season and bill clinton is not in it until the very end it's like the they cut away on him you know what i mean at the very last second because they're just trying to introduce monica Lewinsky and linda tripp and all that and at the end of the episode you know it's one of those things where he like turns to the camera and there's bill clinton and i was like is that fucking clive owen and he is fucking nailing this character. They they do put wow. prosthetics on him, so it's he's he is a little hard to you don't quite see Clive Owen in it, which is great. I love when an actor can kind of disappear into the role, but he's absolutely nailing that stereotypical Bill Clinton voice. You know, I did not have sexual relations. You know what I mean? <laughs> he just yeah. did that line, and I was like, he fucking nailed it. You know what I mean? Um, and so Clive Owen is amazing, but. Sarah Paulson, who does all of the, you know, American Horror Story, Crime Story, you know what I mean? She's she's like a Ryan Murphy staple. Right. Uh, and I'm not saying anything new or original here. Sarah Paulson is amazing. She nails this character as Linda Tripp, another character that they do a lot of heavy prosthetics. So you don't really see her in it. They give her like this hunch and this like very heavy walk. Yeah. Uh, so I don't know if you know Linda Tripp in real life, but just me Googling, she looks just like her. And she is the character to hate. You know what I mean? Uh, So uh, we've been super enjoying it. She was the one who brought it all to light? Uh, Yeah. Yeah. So she's a huge piece of shit. (laughs) 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 She, uh, but Sarah Paulson absolutely nails it. Beanie uh, Beanie Feldstein, uh, she plays Monica Lewinsky. She's also doing a really great job. Uh, Highly recommend. It's on Hulu. That's how we're finally watching it. So two thumbs up. Amazing. I haven't seen it yet. Uh, is, is it a long uh, show? Like Every episode's an or? hour, and there's 10 episodes. Um, so okay. it is a bit, a little bit to get through, but um, it's great. It's it's the tw- it's the twenty episodes that always scares me. It's like God, uh, that's a lot of work. That's a month, you know, like yeah. dedication every yeah. time I'm watching. One no, every nice night. easy ten episodes. Uh, that's the way to go. I'm always a fan of the ten episode, uh, eight to ten episode kind of season. Um, 
Awesome. Well, yeah, that's that's. It good seems to, to be the that. norm now, doesn't it? Except if it's like ABC, NBC, CBS, like those network shows. Sure. You know, like they'll do twenty-two. Yeah, my sure. God. Um, but yeah, for the most sure. part, everything since everything is streaming, it's mostly yeah. going to be like that short form. Um, cool. Yeah, I might put it on if I have nothing to do. Uh, Ed, what have you? Here he comes, ladies and gentlemen. Ed Ball. Okay. Sorry, I just saw something. It's okay. We'll get <laughs> look. Just a little behind the scenes action. Uh, we might have had a recording issue, but don't worry. We're getting through this, Ed. It's gonna be fine. And he's gone, ladies and gentlemen. Second this episode. Is a Let's fucking go. Second episode. This Subscribe is, and like. This is a peak. This is a, this is peekaboo edition with Ed Ball. Um, well, since Ed is gone and Ed has returned again, uh, Ed. <laughs> How you doing, buddy? Um, I'm we're so gonna sorry. talk about we're gonna talk about what you've been into. What have you been into? Cutting to me now. Oh yeah. Okay. <laughs> I'm actually present. You came in right on time, baby. All right. Um, okay. So what I wrapped up this week was the Peacemaker um, on HBO Max, and yes. uh, I thought it was okay. I don't know if you guys have watched it. I after a while the um, it just kind of felt like one joke regurgitated over and over again throughout the whole season. Um, whilst it was fun and not meant to be taken seriously, it just got like a little old. Everybody trying oh, to come yeah. up with the best yeah, no, insults I, I uh-huh. to point at each other. Just like every fucking episode, it's just like, all right, cool. Uh, you know, it's just kind of like a one-trick pony. My favorite character was definitely Vigilante. Uh, but otherwise, like, it was just an okay show. Like, people have been talking about it as if it's, like, the epitome of the DCEU. It's just like, this is just, like, another example of how nothing works in this universe. Um, and they'll just take shit like this to keep people entertained. If that seems harsh, I'm sorry, but like I like by the end of it, I was just like over it. Uh-huh. I didn't think it was very, you know, groundbreaking or anything. It was purely for the shtick, and it was very repetitive in that way. You know, I I, I always appreciate James Gunn. I think he when when he's making movies or TV, you know that he's having fun, and I think that's sure. what I like. That that's what I'm getting out of when I see his shows. It's like. He's having fun. I'm having fun. I agree with the note that, like, you know, there's some of the the comedy and the and, you know, the jokes were kind of one noted at times. But I it also really enjoyed some of those like uh, emotional vulnerable moments, like when John Cena gets gets to the piano and he kind of plays Definitely. it. Like, Definitely. he's really good at uh, going into those like vulnerable emotional spots. I think yeah. I would have liked a little bit more of that in Peacemaker. Um, hopefully, we can get more of that in season two. Uh, so that it's not it is it was very joke heavy, but it's also very fun and it's also very loud. Um, but yeah, I I can I can agree with with your, your take. That on. that isn't to say like I I was definitely having a jolly good chuckle with each episode, but by towards the end I was just like okay. I mean it's it really is like a lot of the jokes are people just regurgitating, uh, you know, just coming up with the most uh, I don't know just like random insults 
that involve pop pop culture or whatever references at each other and when yeah. every character is doing that to one another it just gets a little tiresome Ed, I think uh, Luis and I talked about this last week, but you hadn't maybe watched it yet. What did you think about the Justice League showing up at the end of the season? You know, I, I guess that's really, I mean, it was cool, I guess, but like that was to my point where it's just like, it's really hard to picture the character of Peacemaker and all of these characters around him and to a further extent, the characters from Suicide Squad being in the same universe as... Uh, Gal Gadot's Wonder Woman and Ben Affleck's Batman and Henry Cavill's Superman. They just don't feel like they're a part of the same thing. So when they showed up and obviously they're just seeing silhouettes, like CGI silhouettes of those characters, you're just like okay, that was really like, it was just throwing that in there for the sake of it. And I, I think, mean well, that, I, that, that's just my opinion but it just yeah. like it doesn't add anything. It doesn't like make the this fucking franchise great. It doesn't. I, I will. I will. I will push back on this and say Dude. that well, one they were they were actually actors. They were in CGI. It was like stunt, stunt all, people or whatever. Stand. They're stunt doubles. Yeah. Uh, in fact, one guy was coming Even out that... being like I'm the new Superman or whatever. Oh, Do you remember okay. that? It was like it was like a new. It was a Batman or Superman or someone who. Was I didn't like, see that. Uh, well, regardless, not the point. But like, it was it, it wasn't like supposed to be cool or anything. I think it was just supposed to be the butt end of a joke. Like it was literally just a joke that they showed up at the end. No, like, for sure, it really was meant to. And yeah. like they were too late or whatever. And then, but then they had like Aquaman and Flash say something. I guess because they're actually making sequels to those movies or actually making right. the Flash movie. I don't know. It's all very yeah, circumstantial. I don't think it was like it's a cameo like, for a circus. It wasn't a cameo just to get a cameo in there. I think they were, like, poking fun on the conversation that we typically have when we watch this stuff. It's like, well, if we have the Avengers and we have the Justice League, why don't they always pop up in these movies? And I think it was yeah, just, like, making, a like, a comedic that. critique. Yeah. Sure. Pretty, yeah. Um, sure. But it was, I don't I, think it was, like, a throwaway, like, we have the Justice League, let's just throw them in there. I feel like there was some sort of, like, you know, fun to it. Point to it. I, yeah. And that's fair. I, maybe I was just kind of, like... And I had seen that particular scene long before I started Peacemaker. Ah, right. Courtesy of Miguel Sanchez, Spoiler King. Hey, you already know. We haven't really I got did. into it, but I don't give a fuck about spoilers. Spoiler that <laughs> shit. All right? I just, I don't, I'm, like I said, I'm always that, on my phone. I'm always yeah. on the internet. Like, things get spoiled for me, and I just, like, it's very rare that I'm, like, mad about something. No, and to be fair, like, M- Miguel asked for my consent before he spoiled that scene. <laughs> I did. I did. Cause I knew. Yeah. Uh, you know, and it was just like, okay, I, I could see that happening. So bring it on. Uh, you know, peacemaker, it wasn't like precious to me. So if it got spoiled, so yeah. well, you know, um, but you know well, what? Uh, yeah. Amazing. Cool. Peacemaker. Yeah. Don't watch Amazing. it. No, uh, the other thing it. I've been watching, uh, just to wrap it up, uh, was yeah. uh, Our Flag Means Death, which is a new comedy series coming up on HBO, which, have you, uh, so it's like... Um, I've watched it, yeah. It's a, it's a, a comedy, a satire uh, oh. of pirate life, starring the likes of uh, Taika Waititi, 
Um, uh, they've got Leslie Jones in there. Mm-hmm. Is that right? Um, okay. So many. I, this show has a lot of comic talent, and I'm sorry if I'm gonna like disappoint you here, Luis. But man, for so much comic talent that is in the show, it's not very funny. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Oh. How many how far have you how far are you into the into the season? I'm all caught up. I'm on episode okay. six. It was, I will admit, it was an easy show to watch. Uh but I just really didn't find myself that invested. The jokes the... seem slightly mm-hmm. like I don't know, just it, it's not the, it takes when, so much it takes time to get into it. I feel like by it really you need, does. You need to jump to the fourth episode. It's like wh- let's just get to Blackbeard. Who, I mean, honestly, it, it was, all that setup is just like. Even to that extent, though, it's still not very funny. Like even when he arrives, I like I still haven't found myself like really like invested in it. It's just like, mm-hmm. you know, that like the, a lot of the jokes fall flat. It's uh, a lot of the characters aren't really that develop they're just kind of thrown at you and you just kind of take it as it goes and it's like yeah (laughs) that's funny like situationally but like overall again like it's just disappointing with the talent involved i think and i'll be honest like i'll probably watch it to the end just to see where it goes and you know maybe after this season i'll decide if i want to keep watching it if they do do more seasons after this but like as of right now like i'm six episodes in and i really haven't had the most amazing time watching it but yeah I, I like pirates and i like comedy i like taika waititi yeah, uh exactly you know it's uh rice darby the main the, the lead uh i enjoy him a lot of the time like he's great in shows like uh what we do in the shadows and uh you know um what what am i thinking of the other new uh, zealand comedies Flight of the Concords, thank you. Mm-hmm. Like he, he, I like I enjoy all of these people generally speaking, but like I feel like the like either the script is bad or it's just like it's not really punching home like I would hope with this kind of show. Yeah, it seems like it was from like looking at other aspects of the show, like uh, the sets and the VFX and stuff like that. It seems like it was this wasn't a rush production i don't know if it was i haven't seen the internet i haven't seen anything but rush productions can do this this type of thing where you kind of have to get to the scripting fast you have to get through the the vfx quickly you have to get through the set building fast and so sure you know that could maybe this could probably be a result of that just like you know they had a great concept it's based on somewhat of a true story that this guy named steed follows blackbeard along and he's like uh, a gentleman pirate and he like is all froofy and like dainty and stuff um but yeah i think that that's probably what it is it just got rushed in th- through production and i agree like it took me a couple episodes like the like like i said up to the fourth or fifth episode to get really into it um yeah i was just i was just and like, again okay, well, with that today. that big of a cast you think uh you would get yeah. a lot more yeah. just like a flow of comedy but it, it's very just kind of like oh let's see where this joke goes and I don't know. Absolutely. Maybe it's funny to see Blackbeard as a softy kind of thing, but they don't really like delve into that. So, again, I'll probably watch it till the end. And I mean, because I'm already six episodes in. Uh, so, 
yeah, you know, mildly disappointing. Yeah, I so think uh, it comes down to a lot of like the writing. You know, it's like it's amazing how so many pieces can really influence it. You can have amazing comedian actors, you can have a great director, but if the writing isn't there, then it yeah. just falls flat. And same thing, and you can have great writing or bad directing. And it falls yeah, flat. and Taika Waititi directed that first episode, and I thought that one was the like least funniest. That <laughs> so was far. that Yikes. was that's a tough. Yeah, one. that was a that was kind of a tough to me because I feel like he is somebody who always nails it you know what i mean like taika exactly. anytime he has his name attached to something i'm like great mandalorian like that mandalorian episode great like uh, mcu great jojo rabbit great you know like anything he's like doing and and when i saw his name i was like huh so there's got to be something happening that but he did the I mean, pilot he, like he did the busy. pilot episode he did yeah that's a tough one to do though you know what i mean because you have a lot to establish you got to really like stick your landing on that i could see that being difficult definitely especially with comedy get- you're, you're trying yeah. to set that rhythm as well as the characters. Like, you're just like, okay, this is where we're working at. But, uh, yeah, I don't know. And I feel like him being in high demand could also be like, you for know, sure. I'm sure he's stretched thin and stuff. Man, for yeah. Sure. He's got, I, I agree like, with you, though. Yeah. So yeah. It, it felt kind of just like a, just a little fun project for all of these, yeah. again, really funny people to partake in. And it, I, I don't think they found like a real good comedic rhythm to it. I don't know. It just it misses more than it hits. Yeah. Hey, well, Luis. You got any, any, yeah, what's up? Hey, man. Speaking of a fun project, can I ask you something? Can you hear me? Say that again. My headphones just <laughs> popped right out. Speaking if you saw this on YouTube, we're on YouTube. So if you could just witness you, my headphones YouTube.com slash whatever the URL is for punch. Whatever drunk the, we need a hundred subscribers to get a personalized URL. So let's get that subscription up, babies. Louise, okay. talking about uh, fun projects. Uh, you oh, just did a real fun one this week. You got a little hands on. I did. I did. Uh, and if you go on our YouTube channel, you'll be able to see more of these clips. But I'm going to explain it to you. So I got um, a Lego Technic Batmobile. Okay. Now, I, uh, I have to thank Ed because Ed is the one who kind of like fathered me into Legos. And now I'm running with it. <laughs> um, and what's different about this Lego Technic is that they're an advanced line of Lego building. And they're supposed to mimic realistic vehicle movements. So it's got a lot of gears. It's got a lot of axles. I feel like I'm learning how to build a car when I'm using the Lego <laughs> Technic. Um, and also, you know, everyone knows Legos. They're kind of these bricks that you build on top of each other. They snap, snap, <laughs> snap. Um, Lego Technic's a little bit different. They have these, like, little uh, pegs. I don't know if you can see them. They're tiny little pegs. And so you're given just, like, a piece of plastic with a bunch of holes, and you're given yeah. a bunch of pegs, and you stick the pegs in there yourself, and then you connect everything. That's like and Ikea when I finally furniture. got to a – Yes, it's like Ikea furniture, but with, like, this Lego thing. Um, and so the Batmobile that I have, and they do a lot of, a lot of the techno technic, uh, Lego, uh, branch. They do a lot of cars. They do, uh, Dom's Dodge charger from fast and furious construction vehicles, things that'll like utilize the, those like gears and axles. So I wanted to try it out because I've already done normal Legos and I say, okay, let me see what the, uh, this one's like. So this one is 13, uh, 60 pieces. Uh, this is my Batmobile here let's see if i can have it holy crap it's so big it's very big it's 18 inches long (laughs) and uh it's got uh, i'm going to show some clips on the bottom of the screen but you can see the the back of the car here Uh. and there are all these gears 
over here, okay? And they all they all work together in moving the car. So when you move the car, the gears move. They're not moving now, but they do move. And what's really cool is they have these pistons uh, that actually uh, go up and down just like normal cars would. Um, and they also include two light bricks in it as well. So you push the back yeah. and a red light goes off for the nice. engine. And then you go to the front and it has a yellow lighting brick for the engine going off. So it's a pretty big thing. It's pretty sturdy. Like I'm holding Hold it, it up I'm to your face. It, I'm Let me it. see how big it is on your head. <laughs> tilt it up. Tilt it up. Tilt it up. Okay. Oh my god! <laughs> look how long that look at the long baby Jesus boy right here. Christ, it's look huge. When you when I you sh you sent me a picture or whatever, and I was just like, it didn't look that big. I just I'm thinking Legos, they fit in my hand. Yeah. That thing is huge. No, that this thing is humongous, but it is a lot of fun. Can you see those pistons in action? Wow. For the viewers at home, the pistons are going in and out, in and out, and it's all connected with gears uh, that kind of work together. And I, I had a lot of fun with it, uh, but with I it. do want to go back to I do want to go back to brick building because uh, this was pretty complex. <laughs> it took me six hours to. Yeah, make. I was gonna say I want to hear the stats. How long? What was the? It, yeah, it took me six hours to make uh, this whole thing, um, but it was a lot of fun, and I got it through Amazon. And let me tell you, if you have a Prime card on Amazon, you can pay. It was a hundred bucks on Amazon, but if you have a Prime card, you can pay seventeen bucks a month. Six months, no interest. This is not a sponsored video <laughs> at all. I'm just telling you the hey. facts here. When I found that out, I was shocked. And I was like, this is a problem because I'm going to be getting more Lego sets with this kind of deal. Like 17 bucks a month to pay for this, no interest. Come on. I mean, Come. this thing is huge. I had a lot of fun building it. Look at these fat tires. Um, and I just love all the moving pieces in it. And typically when you build like Lego stuff, they always hide like little little things in between. Uh, but that's not the case in this one. It's just a lot of like, um, I don't know, putting pieces together, which is fun. So um, <laughs> I really, I really, really love it. It's really awesome. The only problem right now is finding a place to put it to in. Put it. <laughs> and then uh, Sarah, my fiance, has is happy that I made this because she said, now if I ever get in trouble, she has something that she can break. <laughs> and that's oh. sad. So I've given yeah. her. You know, hey, I've Lego her... is sacred. We don't make threats like that. I know. But Maybe in your house, Ed. To threaten. <laughs> it's got swivel doors as well. And it's got a cute little, like, little look at this cute little thing in there. That's All cool, right. man. Anyway, it's really fun. Um, Luis, and if you want to see what uh... it looks like, please go to our YouTube channel and you can see what the Lego sets looks like. But if not, just listen to my words. It looks really cool. <laughs> trust me, bro. That's trust me. That's, that's the door clicking. Okay. It's very, very cool. Um, and then I also uh, where are we? where's the timer? I'm looking at my timer because we went too we're long a last little time. Over okay, an hour. okay, we're 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 a little over an hour here. Um, and then just to roll right into the next topic, I watched uh, Inside Pixar, which was a short form documentary series on Disney Plus. It covered a lot of like the inside of how Disney works. It's really it was really interesting because uh, there were 20 episodes, but they were divided into four different like groupings, um, mm -hmm. and they were kind of produced differently as well where the last 10 episodes were very VO-driven uh, and felt very differently in the first 10 episodes. I really enjoyed the first 10 episodes of it because you got to just have genuine and honest uh, a view of how these people uh, create content for Pixar. And it seems like a lot of it is just like, hey, man, what are you going through? What's your story? 
let's use those vulnerabilities to just tell stories. And uh, it was really cool how collaborative everybody was and how the best stories are the ones that are more personal to you. Um, and yeah, I have a cool story about something, but I think I'm just going to move past that and let's get right to the feature discussion, uh, which is turning red. Uh, it is Pixar's 25th feature-length animated film. It's available on Disney+. Plus. Um, it is directed by first-time feature director Domi Shi, who did the Pixar short Bao. Uh, and this actually was supposed to come out in theaters, but because of COVID and uncertainty, they sent it, they moved it to Disney+. Plus. Uh, I also think they did it because they want to beef up Disney+, Plus to make sure people use the platform more. So there you go. Uh, and this movie is set in 2002 in Toronto. It's a coming-of-age story that follows a 13-year-old Chinese girl named May, uh, and she's struggling to find the balance in being a dutiful, 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 and perfect daughter to her mother while uh, hiding all her new found personal interests, like her love for boy band music, her new crushes, uh, and her unique set of friends. Oh yeah, and on top of all that, she turns into a red panda. So um, you know that's kind of the drama of it. Uh, every time she becomes very emotional, uh, she suddenly turns into a red panda. Uh, but it's a really coming of age story about a young Chinese girl in Toronto who's trying to balance family life and friends. Um, and so we're gonna go around the table and just talk about our thoughts about uh, turning red. Um, Ed, if you don't uh, drop out of the call, do you want to? <laughs> yeah, I better get it out of the way real quick. Yeah. Um, me, so uh, me, Sarah, my Sarah, and uh, my daughter, Lily, we watched it all together. And uh, we had a really good time with this film. Uh, it was, um, it really kind of just like jumps on you in the first 30 minutes. There's like, a, just like a, punch in the face of style and uh, <laughs> yeah. music and just like culture and everything it really kind of puts you right in the moment and then uh, from then on you know you get deeper into the story but it's a lot of fun there were, we had a lot of laugh out loud moments and um, overall I mean Pretty much for the majority of it, I was thinking, like, what is my three-year-old daughter thinking of this? Like, I've, I'm sure so much of it went over her head. But, I mean, overall, I mean, uh, as as you were saying, Luis, it's, uh, it's kind of unique in the Pixar series of films to be just kind of like a coming, a very kind of straightforward coming-of-age story. And, uh, you know, obviously with a typical Pixar twist, but... Yeah, we had a lot of fun with it. We really enjoyed it. It was uh, a lot of laughs from beginning to end, some tears here and there, which is, mm -hmm. you know, if you don't have tears in a Pixar movie, they're doing something wrong. Um, so, yeah, no, uh, we really enjoyed it. It was a, a good watch. I would recommend to a lot of people. And I'm just, uh, we'll get into it, I'm sure. But, like, it, it's a movie that I think would have done very well at the theatres. But, uh, Agreed. yeah, that's where I'm at. Well, got, Miguel, what do you think about yeah, that? Yeah, sorry. I wasn't sure if we were going to say anything to transition. I, I watched it. Yeah, I watched it too. Um, <laughs> uh, yeah, I saw it today for the first time. I thought it was okay. I definitely didn't have like a strong negative or positive, super positive reaction to it. Uh, I, you know, 
Uh, I thought the story was pretty good. There were a couple of moments that really um, captured me. Uh, but overall, it, it wasn't necessarily my favorite Pixar movie. Uh, and in kind of a run of Pixar movies that have been kind of pushed to Disney Plus as opposed to uh, running in theaters, uh, I thought I was kind of happy we watched it at home as opposed to, to making the effort. Uh, there was uh, there was a couple things that stood out to me. Uh, Kristen and I we uh, we watched Monsters Inc. with our son recently, and one of the things we talked about was how even Monsters Inc. came out in two thousand one, uh, and if you watch it today, the graphics are they they hold up. You know what I mean? And I bring it up because uh, Sully, John Goodman's character in Monsters Inc., is this big furry blue character. And right. we cut to 2022 uh, for this movie and this big red panda. I was telling Kristen, how can you really improve on these graphics in 2001? Cause they're still so good yet. They found a way, you know, with as texturized or whatever, as the character Sully was, I feel like I could touch him and I could feel him. This red panda, I could see like a million more hairs. You know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, yeah it's, yeah. it's, if, it feels because we see so many Pixar movies and we've been in them for so long, these, these changes feel so kind of tiny. Sometimes you don't quite realize them, but when you look at something from 2001 to today, uh, you find these tiny moments to really, to say that these are actually pretty big differences. Uh, so, uh, I, I appreciated that aspect of it, uh, that, and, uh, I missed that. It was it, Kristen and I were laughing about this. I totally missed that it was in the early 2000s for like most of the movie. Um, at the uh-huh. beginning, that they, they give her like a uh, like a burned CD. Um, they she has like a Tamagotchi on her backpack, and yeah, to yeah, me, yeah. I was like, "Yeah, this is a, this is childhood. Yes, this is correct. This is present day childhood because that's what I went through." You know what I mean? Uh, and it wasn't until later in the movie they like she opens a flip phone or something like that, and I was like, "Why is there a flip phone in this movie?" Uh, that's when it, it dawned on me that it was way, all the way back in the early 2000s. Just to quickly throw in there, I also was unaware that it was set in 2002 until, good, after good, finished, good. until I had finished the movie and I read a review about it. It's like, oh yeah, it's set in uh, Toronto in 2002. I was like, that is so specific. Uh, and I guess the only hint I would have like drawn from that is the Tamagotchi, but so many things that were from then are coming back into uh you know circulation now so i was just like no it's just like these kids are doing the same shit kids always do it's like taking old things and making them making them cool yes that's what chris said the fact that the the fact that it was 2002 way over my head way over my head i I, I, it was something flagged me after a while when this red panda kept poofing up in, in like high school without any problem, like not hiding it at all. I was, and there's no one covering it on social media and no one taking pictures and sharing it Absolutely. and the mom That's not true. finding it. After a okay. while, when it kept happening, I was like, why is no one like when she goes to the party and she just keeps poofing as a red panda? I was like, this would be live streamed. This would be on, you know, Instagram. And then I don't know what it was, but something clicked where it was like oh this is in the past whatever it's pre i didn't know it was 2002 it was pre exactly it's pre-internet right. yeah. no one was sharing it was like totally fine everyone Early was days. like recording with their uh camcorder you know what i mean yeah uh, which which is crazy because i feel like that was a camcorder that i had growing up one of those sony ones uh but yeah i mean i exact i i kind of uh, 
had the same feeling with you, Ed, where it like starts off right in your face. It feels very Edgar Wrighty, Scott Pilgrimy, a lot yeah. of you know quick zooms, uh, and a lot of it is seems, and I think it is um, uh, inspired by anime. So you could see a lot oh, of those sure. character faces, like one that yeah. one friend's character, her eyebrows are all the way high up. Uh, there's like those speed lines when they're yeah. cooking. A all single the tear or a glisten in the eyeball. Yeah, Whatever it just has the, it has yeah. those feelings of like being inspired by anime. Yes, and yeah. uh, it was really loud, but then it really got very sensitive and and hit some at the end, which I really liked. Yeah, um, you know, this is a story that's personal to girls. He grew up Chinese, and uh, I, and they're coming of age. And I know it's a very different experience than what I've had growing up. Uh, <laughs> but I always do love seeing these type of stories because I've never experienced these things before. So it's nice to see what those type of people go through, but at the same time feel like, oh, I can still relate to this person who's dealing, who's going through these changes and is embarrassed by their parents. And, yeah. uh, but like, see, oh, well, they're, the way that they deal with Chinese traditions and pressure of the family, that's something that I've never experienced. And I can't even imagine having that built into me or like having that pressure. Um, I will say the one thing that got to me um, was this idea that you're like you. I don't know this idea of a red panda. Like everyone kind of has their own personal red panda that they have to deal with and with embrace yeah. and like. Some people want to throw it away. Some people don't want that part of them. And this and this movie was about specifically for the main character was embracing the red panda. Uh, the mom and everyone else they didn't embrace the red panda, um, but she did, and she couldn't let it go. And to get kind of personal on this podcast a little bit, um, you know, I have ADHD, and that's like a part of my life that I have to grow up with and deal with. And I think there are positives to it, and there are things that are difficult to deal with. Um, but that moment when she is pushing through the glass door, the glass window to get rid of the red panda and the red panda is coming out on the other end and they're looking at each other and, and they're thinking about all the good memories that they had together. And she decides, no, I want to keep this red panda. This is part of my identity. That kind of got to me. Cause I was like, damn, if I had an opportunity to get rid of my ADHD, would I do that? Um, you know, like we've had a lot of good times, me and, you know, like it, it allows me to be, be a good nerd. You know, it allows me to hyper focus on <laughs> things. It allows me to like really take an interest in stuff and to, yeah. you know, feel young sometimes. Um, and it's just something that I don't know. I know some people, it could be very difficult to handle. And obviously there's like medication and things like that to go through and totally understandable how, you know, certain like non neurotypical, um, you know, things people can't handle and they might want to get rid of the red panda. And some people want to keep the red panda because that's makes who they are. And so for me, I was like, damn, this really kind of hit home for me, at least that point of, you know, you're given something in this life and you kind of like are making room for it as you hit puberty. Um, and yeah. yeah, I don't know that, that was kind of like my personal uh, attachment to it. Um, but yeah. On a technical note, I thought the fluidity of it was really great and beautiful. So, yeah, I don't know. No, I think what what's great about this movie is there is something for everybody to relate to. You know, it's not just, like, exclusively a coming-of-age story for girls or women. You know, it's, you know it, it kind of touches on that with a lot of the characters that you see in there. 
you know, and even from uh, May, the main character, from her perspective, you still get that, uh, you know, that secondhand embarrassment, which we've all suffered oh. from our parents and stuff like that, you know, and whether, you know, whether it's for our best interest or not, you know, we still, we're still embarrassed by it, you know, because of how they react to it. They don't know how to react to it. Uh, parents are always... Uh, you know they, they feel like they, they're stuck in the past and you know they're always just like oh kids these days yada yada this is very much a part of this movie too you know and um no i i, I mean i think from what i've seen it, it, it seems to resonate with people in a different way uh but yeah um no for i mean for that it it it's kind of it, it doesn't take any big leaps as far as plot. It is just a purely contained story about this girl growing up, coming of age, yada yada, and facing the pressures of her family, which has become a trend. And like that was kind of the main theme in Encanto, too. Oh, uh, yeah. uh, granted, that's not a Pixar film, but you know what I mean? It's. Uh, you know, dealing with the pressures of, you know, your elders and family expectations and how crippling and overwhelming it can be. And, you know, you just kind of explode out of that. Um, so, I mean, to hear these different personal stories where people are kind of connecting to this movie kind of makes it all the more meaningful, uh, especially from, like, you, Luis, it's just... Uh, yeah, I mean, I like I was looking forward to watching it again after we finished it. To be honest, I feel kind of bad because I, <laughs> <laughs> I just didn't, I didn't have any kind of connection to this movie other than you know a couple of moments like I remember high school or middle school being embarrassing. You know what I mean? Totally. Yeah. Uh, but other than that, I just wasn't super as invested. I definitely walked away from it going like I felt like that could have been a really powerful like short. You know what I mean? Uh, maybe a little bit more condensed. Um, yeah, I, I will say, Ed, you were talking about, uh, or you said something that kind of reminded me about this. Uh, the internet was kind of like back and forth about um, the mom character, Sandra O's character, uh, and how, like, I guess, like one of the question marks about this movie being good or bad was like, well, the mom's really bad. The mom's not a good mom. Uh, and I think just because we had just talked about Peggy Hill last week on King of the Hill, <laughs> I like I yeah. appreciated the fact that this mom was totally doing what she thought was best and was uh, sometimes very wrong. But, Absolutely. you know what I mean, was a very believable character. You know what I mean? She, you know, she I mean, like the pressure she had to deal with from her previous from her other. From exactly. Her yeah. And then and then and putting that onto her own daughter. And what does that mean to you know what I mean? bring her into that world but also like kind of shield her from it and the struggle yeah. of that so i totally understood I, I i bought that character i understood why you know she worked there she actually had one of the coolest moments of the movie for me um uh, i was a little in and out i was on my phone just a little bit here and there but uh towards the end of the movie where uh when may goes to the like one direction concert whatever that band's called yeah. um and just kind of <laughs> out of nowhere you you get this like one shot of like this kaiju red panda 
yeah. like peeking yeah. behind the the scry- skyscraper with like these really red eyes because you can like really tell like okay that's like the bad red panda of the movie or whatever yeah yeah uh and i was just like whoa what the fuck because i wasn't really paying attention in the moment <laughs> then all oh of a sudden God. she was there before i'm talking before she stomps in you know what i mean like like yeah the, yeah. Pre- oh, the prelude she, yeah, to yeah. that and yeah, I put yeah. my phone down. I was like, whoa, what's about to happen? And then I was like kind of piecing it together real quick. Like, oh, okay, the mom, she lied. She said she got rid of it, but she still has it or whatever. You know what I mean? No, she, un- she unleashed it. Sure. sure. In, uh, that was my or whatever. It, you know what I mean? Yeah. It broke. Yeah. <laughs> I Something had happened and there we were. I was yeah. like really just connecting it in my own brain. Uh, yeah, yeah. But yeah, no, that was honestly one of the coolest shots of the movie. Um, oh, for sure. And also like, another reason uh, why it should have been on yeah. theater like i, I was thinking I like oh man that would have been so great and it, it really just does make me wonder like why 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 you know like to your point miguel like i was glad we were able to just like be at home throw this yeah. on on disney plus and watch it as a family you know it didn't have to be like a a, a, a whole trip, trip. You know exactly, and I, I I can appreciate that, but I also appreciate or could recognize the merits of seeing something like this in the big screen, and sometimes it just feels like they're it's it's almost like they don't have uh, enough faith in the content that they're trying to put out there because this movie does take kind of like a lot of leaps that I feel like only Pixar could do so well and it does do well uh trying to like you know just uh you know it's a coming of age story but specifically it's like a a girl a a girl's coming of age story dealing with that kind of uh transition is you know something that doesn't get a lot of you know uh, good interpretations or adapt, you know, it doesn't play well on the screen unless we're, you know, it's either like a heavy set drama or whatever. I guess my point being is like you don't see that in a kids' film, especially a far-reaching film as a Pixar film or a Disney film would be. So it, you know, they should take advantage of that. People will go out and see a Pixar film, you know. Regardless of what's going on, I mean, parents parents want something for their kids to do. You know what I mean? Exactly. Exactly. Good or bad. I'll I'll say so. Like you have, I'll take my kid. Yeah, I'll take my kid to the shittiest Pixar movie if it means he's having a good time and (laughs) and it's quiet for two hours. You know what I mean? And I'll say, like I like I said, I don't think like Lily fully comprehended everything that was going on. Of course, she didn't. She's like three and a half, but. We did not hear a peep out of her for those that one hour and 45 minutes. And, like, you know, for most animated movies, that's kind of... That's a long movie. And I will say, like, it, it, it was a little long. They probably could have cut some things here and there. But overall, I mean, like I said, to not even have a full comprehension of what's going on, but to be fully invested on that, like, I mean, they can do it. I, I, I don't know if it's just the state of the theater industry right now or what, but, you know, I it, Disney, of all people, can afford to make those risks, and I think they should. And I think it will pay dividends. And, like, this movie, 
kind of does a lot for uh, self empowerment. You know, you're just like these yep. are all four of them kind of nerdy, geeky girls, and to normalize that, you know, can only exactly. be a good thing. So don't hold these what could be a huge step forward for a lot of people by just like exclusively showing it on streaming and granted you're going to get a lot of access because everybody streams i get that but at the same time you know show it in the theater like you know yeah if you're gonna if you're gonna do it just go all the way you know these movies and i'm i I can guarantee you the director made this movie with the intention on it being seen on the big screen the kaiju moment exactly would have been amazing on the big screen oh exactly like so much fun and you know it's it's just a shame to know that that's not gonna happen sorry yeah i mean these movies take no that's a it's all great points you know these movies take three to six years to make depending on the movie and with Mm -hmm. all that time and dedication you have a, a goal that hey you know, even pre-pandemic, like this is going to be in the theaters, and it just hit that spot when um, the new variant came. And mm-hmm. I remember when we were planning out all the movies and TV shows we we're going to watch for this podcast. Um, this was still going to go to theaters, and yeah. then as time went on, it got shifted to Disney Plus because of the pandemic scare, and they just you know didn't want to risk it losing attention. And yeah. they wanted to beef up their Disney Plus platform. They wanted to beef up their Disney Plus catalog, you know, and to have a premier title, a premier Pixar title to appear on Disney Plus is like to them, it's like uh, benefits their investors and benefits their Disney Plus catalog. Is well, it my argument unfortunate, to that, but oh. I, I well, want, yeah, I, yeah it's, it's unfortunate. Just, I, I prefer to have the theater experience, me. Yeah. You know, but they just did that with Encanto. And yeah. I mean that's a that's a movie like I was saying that's that I didn't know much about going into it and we did see it at the theater, but that's a movie that's set in like Colombia and uh, with uh, a female centric lead and mm-hmm. uh, again it's a story about dealing with the pressures of family and stuff, you know. And granted, it has like with Disney songs, you got the musical aspect to it, so there's much more of you know a presence like culturally or always the chance of that especially i guess with lin-manuel miranda um but like pixar go back to the early 2000s pixar was the saving grace of disney like i would say i would argue that the disney animation uh in the early 2000s, uh, you know, post, say, like, Lilo and Stitch and Emperor's New mm-hmm. Groove, there was nothing really to write home about. But Pixar was what was, like, carrying Disney animation for well I mean, up till today, they still are, to a lot of extents. And they're different stories, yes, but they, having just taken that big leap with Encanto and succeeded, you would think just like, oh yeah, let's just, we can do like either same day release on streaming or do what they did with Encanto and did it like a month later, straight to streaming after theatrical release. I mean, it it seems silly. And again, like Disney is a company that can afford to make those risks. And I think they would benefit from making those risks. 
and I just went on another run again. I you know all this all this <laughs> is it. making me think. No, it's good. Uh, just that, like I remember the first Pixar movie that got pushed to Disney Plus was that movie Onward. Um, yeah. yeah, and I remember at the time, obviously because there was so much going on, that was like kind of the start of the pandemic, basically. Um, yeah. But at the time, it was just like that's pretty incredible that a Pixar movie would be kind of pushed to like this sideline thing. Uh, and the fact that it's happened, obviously because of COVID, it's happened a couple times. And here we are today watching this movie on Disney plus, it does kind of make me wonder, like, are we about to see kind of like a, I don't want to say like de evolution, but you know what I mean? Like is Pixar about to like go straight to Disney plus kind of from now on, you know what I mean? Like, yeah. Are they going to see that this is a more profitable route for animation? And is there going to be like some sort of loss of quality, you know? I really hope not. I mean, I hope we go the route the route uh, that Batman's doing, where the Batman is having like thirty days in theaters, yeah, and then after thirty days, they're bringing it into streaming when it's still a popular thing that people are still talking about. I think people can wait a month, and people will subscribe to the streaming service. You know, of course, I, just for I, I that, just for that. Yeah, some people will be like, oh, I'll wait a month, but then yeah. it gives thirty, it gives people thirty days, which is when mm-hmm. like all the box office really matters is that first month of just having it out in theaters. I think with, you know, things kind of returning to, to normal again, I'm hoping <clears throat> that we don't have that anymore with Pixar and other movies. Uh, but who knows? I mean, I, I, I don't know. It could be, maybe that'll be a strategy of like, these will be straight to streaming service and, but those movies take so much time to make. I don't even know. That's, you know, as a consumer, I like, I'll, I'll, I'll be happy to wait a month and see a movie or a project on a streaming service that I probably already subscribe to anyway. Right. Uh, <laughs> it's like easier. It's, I don't have to worry about getting a babysitter and this and that. It does kind of make me think a while back. Um, and if Ed can go on two rants back to back, I'm going to do one tiny little mini rant. Okay. Hell yeah. Um, I'm sorry, guys. It ruined out. No, you're I'm good. fucking around. It reminds me, uh, Matt Damon was on, I want to say Hot Ones, uh, the wing show on YouTube. Mm-hmm. Uh, and he was mentioning that, you know, back in the day you had like VHS DVD sales. So a movie didn't have to live or die on its like opening weekend or just run in theaters. It also had this second wind at home media. You had to purchase these things. And so there was money to be made. Uh, And then when the kind of DVD thing kind of died out because streaming became such a big deal uh, that it really became so important for movies to have a really strong opening weekend, a really strong run in the theaters, because that's where they're going to make all their money. And because of that, the quality of film shifted. We went from being able to see tiny little independent comedies or whatever um, to now I only can watch Marvel movies. You know what I mean? It has to be something that like is an yeah. absolute success. So as we move to a model where something like Batman, where it's, I can see the movie in theaters for one month, 30 days or however much, a little over 30, and then I can just watch it on streaming. How is that going to affect, you know what I mean? The, the, the content that we actually get to see more and more on films is going to be more and more and more narrow. It has to be, you know, the biggest thing possible. Otherwise we're never going to see it in theaters again. What I'm basically saying yeah. is I'm worried. You know what I mean? Like the theaters are basically dying out. You know what I mean? And it's yeah. going to be just at home forever. I mean, to your point, Miguel, I was just looking at, a, you know, showtimes at a theater. And I mean, the pickings are very slim. And, you know, yeah, part of it is uh, 
you know, just like the typical, aside from like, you know, the Oscar movies that are obviously going to be highlighted at around this time. But yeah, I mean, Spider-Man No Way Home is still uh, available to see. And I mean, That's yeah, like, are we really just going to swing from every fucking superhero movie to every, like, when Napoleon comes out, I better watch that shit on a big screen or I'm yeah. going to be, well, you know. Exactly. It's super important to, like, go out and support these, like, smaller movies when they come out into theater. You know, I think that's a huge yeah. part of it. Like, vote with your ticket. You know, I know yeah. Jurassic World came out, the second one, I forget whatever it's called, and Independence Day came out. And I was like, you know what? I get it. Like, it's a blockbuster film. I feel like yeah. out of habit I should go see it, but I'm not going to go see it. Like, yeah. that was my vote in, in, like, not supporting seeing these movies. If you don't want to see a big blockbuster movie, don't see it. Like, yeah. they'll be support fine. with your ticket, even though they'll be fine. And I don't, I'm sure it didn't make any difference because they're making a third Jurassic World anyway. But yeah. I will not Wait, be seeing Louis, that one I'm either. Sorry. I was just to clarify your thought there just real quick. Did you say you had the choice between Jurassic World 2 and Independence Day 2? And then you, oh, no. and then you I, made I had, a choice? No, no, no. I, I had a choice to see them in theaters. Both of oh, those, oh, those were Not, at two different times Sorry. in my life. I thought examples. you were like, listen, it's no, 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 Jurassic no. World 2 Gun to your head. or Independence Day 2. And I, I, had <laughs> oh, to I, know. Know what to do? I had to yeah. know what your answer was going to be. You know what I mean? No, no, I didn't see any of those. I didn't see any of those movies. Uh, I still haven't seen them. Uh, especially during... Day... Sorry. No, yeah, go for it. No, I mean, especially during the pandemic. I mean, I, I've ranted about this a lot to you guys, I'm sure. But, like, uh, the smaller independent movies that do get a theatrical release, especially in the last three years, they if they don't make money they're gone within a week or two, like, literally. Uh, like, The Last Duel, Ridley Scott's The Last Duel, critically acclaimed, and the more people saw it, they liked it, but because it tanked that first week, it was gone by the third week. Yeah. And so I made it a point to see those smaller movies before I got around to seeing any of those Marvel movies. Like, Spider-Man No Way Home was an exception, I didn't end up seeing Shang-Chi or Eternals in theaters. You know, maybe that was a mistake on my part. I don't, you know, they're, they're not like characters I'm overly familiar with or excited to see. I had seen the previous two Spider-Man movies uh, at home, not in the theater. I did see Homecoming in the theater. But point being, it's just like with the pandemic, yeah, you're absolutely right. You, If you do, if there is a smaller movie that isn't a studio blockbuster or a franchise sequel or whatever i mean yeah go out and see it because chances are first they were made to be seen on the big screen you know that is always the director's intention for the most part you know uh nobody plans on making a movie to be direct to tv kind of deal um and before you know it, they could be gone, and they could have been like the best experiences to see in theaters. Absolutely, yeah. I mean, going to it. I think I, I always enjoy going to theaters, ha having that experience with the group. You know, there is just there is an energy that exists in the theater, and there's and you get to experience great sound and great visuals that you'll yeah. never experience at home. Uh, the content will be the same, but it's that's what makes movies magical, you know. And if you obviously sometimes you can't, but if you can, go. Um, any more closing thoughts before we uh, end 
our second podcast, boys. <gasps> we did it. Episode two. We did it. Episode two coming in 30 minutes short. There All right. We, go. we didn't get two hours. We're, we're hitting I our mean, prime time here. I think this is how it's going to be. Hour and a half. Let us know if this works out for you at Punch Drunk Nerd. Let us know in the comments on YouTube. You know, like and subscribe. All that, all that good jazz. Like we need 100 subscribers, you know baby. Listen, we need 100 subscribers just to put our a personalized YouTube URL, folks. Okay? Can you please get us to 100 subscribers? I think we could do it. I think we do it. By, I, let's say we'll by do, episode we'll five, 100 subscribers. Oh, my let's God. Let's fucking go. <laughs> Mark that down. Mark that down. I want to know. It's going to get marked. Um, Episode 5. Well, ladies and gentlemen and uh, non-binary folk, we are so so thankful that you got to uh, join us on this little journey of ours. Uh, You know, um, tune in next week when we talk about something else. I don't know what it's going to be, but we're going to figure it out, and we'll be back here at the same time. Bye bye. <laughs> bye bye. <laughs> How's that for an outro?